0: If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 13, verse 44, Matthew 13, verse 44. And if you are uh, new this morning or uh, you've been gone over the last few weeks, we have started a series a couple of weeks ago called uh, The Moral of the Story. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at some of the parables of Jesus that talk about the kingdom of heaven. And in the first week, we talked about the parable of the sower and these different types of soil and what they represent. And then last week, we talked about the mustard seed and the yeast, and we talked about how such a small thing, such as a mustard seed, could grow to be 12 feet tall where birds could come and and rest on the branches. We talked about yeast, a a little bit of yeast uh, mixed with flour can create enough dough to feed 100 people and it 's this idea that the kingdom would start small, but over time it would expand, and we see it start with small beginnings, Jesus and these twelve disciples, and as they learn and as they grow, and we see them in the book of acts and and they receive the Holy Spirit and they 're just on fire, and from there they preach and and proclaim the gospel, and it grows and grows and grows and grows and Uh, And you just see all these amazing things happen. And these apostles that started out small, this little group that started out small, and they're willing to die for their faith. They're willing to do whatever it takes to share the gospel. Something so small can become something so large. and, And we can play a part in that. And we talked about that a little bit, that and just how you act, how you live for Him in your jobs, at your schools, wherever you're at in your family life. The way you live for Him. The way you're, you're radically different from the world and, and those who live in it. And it starts to make people wonder, what is it that you have that I don't? And that can change people's lives when you live for Him. When you get out of your comfort zone and you go and you share the gospel with people, it's amazing what can happen. And we get this mindset that we're so small, we're so insignificant. Man, God can use us to do great things for the kingdom. And so this morning we're continuing, and there's an old saying that practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. In order to be good at something, you have to do that thing over and over and over again. It takes repetition. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Neil Gaiman, and somebody once asked him, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to be a writer? And he says, you have to write every day. He says, talent can take you halfway. Writing every day takes you the rest of the way. You have to do it every single day. You ask athletes who are good at what they do, who are considered uh, legends in their sports, how much do they practice? How often do you find them in the gym or out on the field? Over and over and over again, practicing to become good at something. You know, I'll be honest, there's a lot of things that I'm not good at, and I'm thankful for people who are good at those things. You know, I I don't want to put him on the spot, but I will say this: some, every one of us in this room, or most of us in this room, have probably at some point gone to Brad and said, "Brad, what is wrong with my car?" We we probably have done that, and I know I have done that. I, I go to because Brad has done that enough to know what's going on. When I have a question about something in my house that I don't know, I go to Randall Schatz. He knows what he's doing with that stuff because he's done it over and over. And over again, in order to be good at something, you have to practice repetition over and over and over again. And you see, here's the thing about practice. In order to practice, sometimes you've got to give something up. In order to practice, sometimes you've got to give something up. If you want to practice and become good at something, that may mean I can't watch TV for a little bit. Maybe I've got to put away this thing so that I can make time to practice. A lot of times we want to become good at something, but we don't want to give up the things that we're doing to make time to practice. Sidney Howard once said, one half of knowing what you want is knowing what you must give up before you get it. And this parable that we're going to look at this morning, two parables that we're going to look at this morning, share a similar message. And there's something great that we can inherit, something great that we can be a part of, but in order to be a part of that, we have to be willing to give things up. And so, Jesus, this morning, this message in Matthew 13, verse 44, we see a similar thing. What are we willing to give up? And so, we're going to start in verse 44 of Matthew 13. And it says this. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And so Jesus here is continuing uh, these parables on the kingdom of heaven, and we see this first parable here as a, a treasure that's hidden in a field. This man is out working and he finds this treasure. And when he finds this treasure, he wants this treasure. And so he buries the treasure again. And then he goes and he sells everything he has in his possession so that he can go and buy the field. And you know, there's actually a lot of things that are going on in this one little verse. You might be thinking, why in the world is our stuff buried out in the field? Why is our treasure buried out in the field? Well, at this time, there was no bank vaults for people to go and deposit their money. And so the rich would build storehouses, and they would uh, put all of their treasures in these storehouses, and they were so rich that they would be able to hire guards to watch their stuff. They would be able to make sure that whatever the possessions were would be kept safe, and nobody would come in and take these things. However, if you weren't rich... You couldn't build a storehouse, you couldn't hire guards, and so what would you do? Well, they had to get creative, and they had to figure out how to hide their stuff the best way they could. And for a lot of people, that would be to bury it. And this is really important, because if you're trying to hide your stuff, you're trying to hide your treasures, why are they trying to hide it? Well, because war was a thing that was common, and when somebody would come in and invade, there was always the potential that as they come in and invade, they wouldn't just destroy but they would take. If you had your treasures out in the open, they would destroy your house, they would destroy your stuff, but then they would take the things that they thought were worth something. And so they would hide their stuff in fields. And Josephus actually tells us this. He says, The gold and the silver and the rest of that most precious furniture which the Jews had and which the owners treasured up underground was done to withstand the fortunes of war. And so they would hide their stuff out in their field. And so we see that there's this man, and he's working for whoever owns the field. Maybe he's out there plowing or digging, and he comes across his treasure. And so he decides, man, I really want this treasure, and so I'm going to go sell everything I own, and I'm going to buy the field so that I can keep the treasure, Now, here's where things get really interesting, and this is free this morning. This really has nothing to do uh, with the point that Jesus is trying to make, but it is interesting. A lot of people tend to think that Jesus here is telling a very morally ambiguous story. He's telling a story about a man who, really, he's kind of being conniving. He he finds this treasure, and so he's going to go sell everything to buy the field so he can keep the treasure. Why do people think this? Well, again, not that it really matters. It doesn't really have anything to do with the point Jesus is making. But there is interesting stuff about this. Uh, the old thing, the old saying was, if you found something on uh, somebody's land, whatever you found belongs to the person who owns the land. So for this man, he finds this treasure, and technically the treasure would belong to the owner of the field. But here's the thing. Did he do something wrong? Well... One, Jewish law stated that if a man finds scattered fruit or money, it belongs to the finder. So according to Jewish law, this man did nothing wrong technically because he found it, even though people would say, well, it belongs to the person who owns the field. Well, according to Jewish law, they really probably wouldn't be thinking this as Jesus told the story because Jewish law states that, hey, they found it, they get to keep it. The other thing to think about is the item itself is not buried by the person who owns the field, because if this man who owns the field buried the treasure, he would know it's there, and so what would he do? He'd go and dig it up before he sold the field. Why would he willingly sell the field when he knows that there is a very valuable treasure out there? So, it's likely what would happen is if somebody who buried that thing was probably dead from war or whatever had happened, that land had gone to the person who was maybe a family member and that family member would have either kept the land or sold the land. So, whoever buried this treasure had already likely passed and this person didn't know that this treasure was out there. And thirdly, Really, he could have just taken the treasure and left. If he was a bad person, all he had to do is just take the treasure and leave. He didn't have to sell any of his stuff. He didn't have to do any of that. He could have just grabbed the treasure and ran off and nobody would have known any different. But he doesn't do that. So, like I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really do anything to the point that Jesus is trying to share. just thought it was interesting to think about. Rather, what is Jesus saying here? Well, he's talking about this man considered this treasure worth something so much greater than all the things that he owned. It was worth selling everything in his possession so that he could go and buy this land to have that treasure. And then Jesus continues along and he tells another parable in verse 45. He says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. We see now another parable, and this parable is talking about a man who's out looking for fine pearls. And what's neat about this parable is with the last parable, Jesus talks about a man who stumbled into a treasure. Now he's talking about a man who searches for a treasure. We see this as somebody who's probably employed by somebody to go out and find pearls. And this is really interesting. We oftentimes don't think about what it would have been like for a diver to go and find these pearls. And uh, John MacArthur uh, does a really good background uh, thing on this. What what would it have been like to go and look for pearls? And I thought it was interesting what he said. He said, it was incredible the extent to which people went in those days in pearl hunting. They would search, in particularly, the Red Sea, the Persian Gulf, and the Indian Ocean. And there were pearls to be found there, but they were to be found at a great price, and many people died gaining them. They actually were not able to use any of what we would consider modern paraphernalia to do the pearl diving. Basically, what they did was tie rocks to their body and then jump off the side of the little boat and go to the bottom amidst all the the creatures of the deep that they maybe wouldn't have known about. And then they would scour the bottom in the mud trying to come up with those oysters and holding one long deep drawn breath and fearing lest they go too deep the potential to burst and die. They would come up with those treasures. So the look for pearls, it was not a light task. It wasn't something that was just a, oh, this will take a few minutes and I'll be good. No, this was a potentially life-threatening thing to do to go and look for for these pearls. And if they got these oysters up and they found these pearls and they were really nice pearls, they could be sold for a large amount of money. We think of it today like gemstones and diamonds. The nicer they are, the more money that you can make for those things, right? And so he goes, this pearl hunter goes, and he finds these pearls. And then in verse 46 he says, When he found one of great value, he went away. And sold everything he had and bought it. Man, he sees this pearl and he thinks, man, this pearl is so perfect. This pearl, it's worth a ton of money. It's worth a lot. And so he goes and he sells everything he has and he buys the pearl. And we look at this and we look at the last parable and we think this just doesn't make any sense. Why would you go and sell everything that you own to buy these things? This field that has this treasure to buy this pearl. Why would you do this? It doesn't make any sense. We don't sell all of our possessions to go buy something. But here's the thing. They're giving up everything for something that is worth more than everything. Everything they own, nothing about, like everything they own in their possession, none of it equals the thing that they're looking for. It doesn't equal the treasure. It doesn't equal the pearl. No, those things are worth more than everything in their possession. It's worth everything they own. They're giving up everything for something that is even better. And so, what is the moral of this story? Well, I think the moral of the story is this. The kingdom is worth everything. The kingdom is worth everything. You see, these two parables teach us the same important message. The kingdom of heaven is worth everything. It's worth giving everything up to follow Jesus and to be a part of the kingdom. A matter of fact, Jesus reminds us that it's when we lose our life and we give up everything that we actually find our life. Matthew ten thirty nine tells us whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. We find a better life when we are willing to give up everything to follow Him. But you see, the sad truth is, so many are busy chasing the things of this world, or chasing the things of this life, and, and not willing to give up everything to follow Him, not willing to give up everything for the kingdom. And the sad thing is, so many believers are living one foot in trying to follow Him and living one foot in the world and the things that the world says they offer. Jesus told us this in the parable of the sower. Those who are in the thorns that get choked out by the daily worries and anxieties of life, but not even that, just, it's also the, the obsession with worldly things that causes them to fall away. You see, we have to be willing to sacrifice the things of this world for something that is so much better. We have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to be willing to put Him above the things of this world. We're not supposed to love the things of this world. 1 John 2, 5, 17 tells us this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... And the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. No, you see, we're not supposed to love the things of this world. We're supposed to follow after Him, and He is worth giving up everything. And the question is, are you counting the cost? Are you counting the cost to follow Him? In Luke fourteen twenty-five through 35 Jesus tells, or says this, as says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. will he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while others, others is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, it is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And you see, this is the truth. There is a cost to following Jesus. There is. There is a cost to to following Jesus? And have you counted the cost? Are you willing to pay the cost to follow after Jesus? And what does that cost? Well, that cost is you may have to give up your lifestyle to fully follow Jesus. You may have to give up your lifestyle. Those things that you love to do that keep you from following after Him fully. Maybe you have those things that you do that when you think about it, it doesn't bring God any glory. It, it's not gratifying or anything. like It's just leading you further and further away from Him. Maybe you need to give up that lifestyle. You may not want to hear this, but it's, it's true. You may need to cut some people out of your life. And I've told teens this before. And you can love people. You can pray for people. But man, if you are in a relationship that is toxic, if that toxic relationship takes you further and further away from Jesus, if the people you are friends with cause you to stumble over and over and over again, it may mean for a while saying, I love you, I'll pray for you, but right now, I just can't be in this. Maybe eventually you can be again, but it may mean having to cut certain people out of your life. To follow Him. It requires sacrifice to count the cost. To follow Him fully. There's a cost to that. And you see, it's a hard thing for us by nature. It's a hard thing for us to want to count the cost and to sacrifice. Think about it. We want to be healthy. But we we don't want to work out. We don't want to exercise. We don't want to do the things that it takes to be healthy. We want to be financially secure. But we don't want to stop spending money. These things require that we pay the cost. And the same thing is true with following Jesus. There is a cost. I love what Mark Moore says in his Life of Christ commentary. He says paradoxically salvation is free yet it cost everything. And Richard France says something similar. He says there is something about the kingdom of heaven which makes extravagant action the only proper response and so to follow jesus to be a part of that kingdom there is a great cost and you have to ask yourself are you willing to give up everything to follow after him and i think of one other story matthew chapter 19 verses 16 through 30 and it says this just then a man came up to jesus and asked teacher what good thing must i do to get eternal life Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And you see, a lot of times people read up to this point and they stop. But I, I love the conversation that happens next in verse 25 and following. He says, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. but With God, all things are possible. And Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will be there for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And what are you willing to pay? What is the cost that you're willing to pay to follow after Jesus? But here's the thing. It is so worth it to pay the cost. It's worth it when you really look at everything and you're asking me, Man, is it really worth giving up everything to follow Jesus, to give up my lifestyle, to maybe give up some friends, to maybe give up these things that I love to do? Is it worth giving up all of these things to follow Jesus? Yes, it is. And why is that? Is because in Jesus Christ we find forgiveness. In Jesus Christ we find salvation. In Jesus Christ we find hope. Ephesians 1 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He is worth it all. He is worth giving up everything to follow after Him. He's worth it. And there's something really neat about these parables. These two different parables but with the same impact. Again, it's really interesting. The first guy just happens to stumble upon a treasure. The second guy is out looking for it. Sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? Maybe you're here this morning and you have been stumbling through the world, chasing after things that just leave you searching again. And you're just over and over and over again. You're stumbling through this life. And yet somehow, somehow you in this moment, you find yourself, maybe you find yourself for the first time seeing Jesus. Maybe for the first time in life you're, you're seeing what Jesus has done for you. Or maybe you're here and you've had questions for a long time and you've been searching for something that will fill you, something that will give you the answers that you've been seeking. And, and you find that in Scripture and you start looking through it and you start to see Jesus. And maybe you've stumbled into Seeing Jesus or maybe for the first time you've been searching and you've been searching and you've been searching and you see him. Both stories are two ways that a lot of times we come to faith. Well, and if you've been here or if you're here this morning and you've been stumbling, the good news is this, you can give your life to him and be a part of the kingdom. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been seeking and searching for answers and you have found it in scripture and you have found it in Jesus. Well, I got good news for you too. You can give your life to him and be a part of the kingdom. Both sides, both ways work if you give your life to Him, if you're willing to give up everything to follow after Him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they do, which one are you? Maybe you're here this morning and you have stumbled and been stumbling and you find yourself now face to face with a Savior who is so great, who is so worth giving up everything. Or maybe you've been seeking and searching for a long, long time. And you're starting, to, you're starting to read the word and you're starting to see who Jesus is. Either way, you can be a part of the kingdom this morning. You can be a part of this kingdom. You can follow after Jesus this morning. And if that's a decision that you've never made and you're, you're curious about it and you, you've been thinking about it. And I'd love to talk with you. Cody would love to talk with you. The elders, you can fill it out on the connect card. Or maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you are here this morning and you have been living one foot in the world and one foot in trying to follow Him. It's time to give up everything to follow after Him. The things of this world will only leave you wanting and it will leave you lacking. But Jesus, following Him fully is so much better than that. It is in Jesus that we find salvation. It is in Jesus that we find hope. It is in Jesus that we find the things that satisfy us and so maybe you're here this morning and what you need to do is you need to talk with him you need to lay these things at Jesus feet what are the things that are keeping you this morning from following him fully that are keeping you from worshiping him fully what are those things lay those at his feet if that's the case where you're sitting you can pray you can come up here I'd love to pray with you but this morning have you counted the cost Have you counted the cost of what it means to follow Jesus fully? Because let me tell you, it's worth it. All the things of this world, none of it compares to the value, to the the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so this morning, if you have a decision to make, as we stand and we sing, I pray that you would do so.